This is podcast. Hello there, and welcome to a brand new episode of my podcast, Podcast Racing. Today, I have a very special guest. This is the director of a short film called uh, Just a Few Questions, which is available on YouTube right now. I'll put the link in the description below. This uh, short film premiered at the 2019 Arizona Sunburn Film Festival and earlier this year in the 2020 Worldwide Women's Film Festival. The director of this short film, Just a Few Questions, which I highly recommend checking out, Marianne Kaiser. How are you doing, Marianne? I'm great. How are you? Doing good, doing good, trying to stay safe and positive throughout all this craziness that we're dealing with right now. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been a long five months. Yeah, I'm, I'm missing going to the theater and I'm missing certain movies a lot. Yeah, me too. But speaking of which, uh, in your opinion, what are some uh, film delays or postponements that you are most upset or annoyed about? Well, I would say the three movies that I'm most looking forward to that have been moved because of COVID, uh, the first one would be In the Heights, which was supposed to come out in June. Um, I was really looking forward to it. I saw the trailers when um, it came out, and I thought it looked really great. I've always really enjoyed musicals, and it just looked really cool and exciting. And the fact that it got moved is disappointing, but I'm also kind of glad because I do think it should be seen by as many people as possible on a big screen. So it's kind of bittersweet, but I'm still looking forward to it. So just bummed that I have to wait. Um, in the meantime, I guess you can still uh, listen to the original Broadway soundtrack if you're so inclined. And then the next one is uh, Mulan. Uh, this was originally supposed to come out in March, and I guess it's going to come out on Disney Plus for those of us in America in September, but only if you pay an extra $30, which I don't know if I'm going to be willing to do that because it's quite a lot and even my AMC A-list membership was not $30 so it's hard to justify that cost for me but only because I live alone and I wouldn't be watching it with a bunch of other people so if I could maybe get some people together maybe that would be justified in spending the $30 but still I'm going to still try to watch it and see what I can do to watch it uh, when it comes out and then the last one that I'm most um, looking forward to that got moved was Wonder Woman 1984. Um, I really, really loved the first one. It was just so cool to watch, and I thought it was a great introduction to the world for people who, like myself, I wasn't really into, um, I didn't know anything about Wonder Woman really before the 2017 movie came out, and then after seeing it, I was just so excited to see more. So I'm very much excited about that and hope that it sticks to its um, current release date, which is, uh, I think, in October or November. Here's hoping. Despite the pandemic, or rather because of the pandemic, some films have actually uh, been released early on video on demand or certain streaming services. So I'm just wondering what films that actually have come out so far have uh, impressed you. Um, well, I think uh, one of the best ones that I've seen so far is probably uh, Spike Lee's To Five Bloods. Oh, yeah, that's um, think, a great one. Yes, and it was, I think, supposed, it was already planned to be released on Netflix anyway in June. So, fortunately, I guess COVID didn't impact, impact it too much. Um, but I was really 
impressed by that film. Um, I really liked all of Spike Lee's other films that I've seen in the past, and this was no exception to his great quality. It really taught me a lot, too, because I wasn't really familiar with the Vietnam War and the whole background of the main characters in the film, so I was really interested in seeing how their um, character developed, characters developed, rather. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one as well. I also, uh, actually earlier today, I watched um, the documentary about the Beastie Boys on Apple TV+. I, I'm a, I, I would consider myself a casual Beastie Boys fan, but after watching this documentary, I got, I'm definitely going to listen to a lot more of the music now. And uh, I really liked Palm Springs with uh, Andy Samberg and Kristen Melody a lot. I thought that that was really funny and uh, heartwarming and a uh, unique spin on an already familiar premise. Yeah, yeah, I really liked that one too. And I really like uh, movies that have that premise of the time loop. Time loop films, even though I haven't seen a ton of them, the ones I have seen, I've really enjoyed them. So I really loved that one as well. Yeah, yeah, I really, uh, yeah, that's definitely one of the best films of 2020, mostly by default, but on its own, it's <laughs> yeah. a pretty good film. Like, yes. I think in a, I think in a uh, normal, if 2020 was a normal year, then I don't think that Palm Springs would reach, like, my top 10 of the year, but I think because of the pandemic and so few films actually coming out, uh, I think that uh, Palm Springs, by default, is like one of my favorite films of the year. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree. It's probably in my top 10, maybe even top 5 for the year so far. Yeah, so far it's in my top 5. 2020 has been a very weird, unpredictable, and too many miserable year so far. And a lot of uh, movie uh, movie. Um, have been delayed or just put on demand and theaters have been closed for quite a while now in fact at the uh at the time of recording this uh episode uh theaters are supposed to open up in uh late august i don't know if that's going to change after the recording of this episode but at the time of recording this theaters are planning to open up late august and tanette is uh, expected to uh premiere in theaters september 3rd and so, uh, like I just said, theaters are expected to open up uh, in late August. And I'm I want to ask you, Mary Ann, if you think that it's a good idea for theaters to reopen in 2020 at all, or if you think they should play it safe and just uh, wait, postpone opening theaters until 2021 or something. Yeah, it's a tough question because, I mean... As a movie lover, of course, I want to go back to the movie theater like as soon as I can because I really enjoy the theater experience and I, I love seeing it on the big screen, anything. But I'm also not somebody who's just going to say, it's only about me, so as long as I can go and be safe, then I don't really care about other people. So I understand that there's still a big threat to people's livelihoods with COVID still. The numbers, at least in the U.S., are not really going down anytime soon. However, we do have other countries that have seen their numbers go down and they are in the process of opening their theaters too. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe the US, since we're kind of behind other countries, if we should just kind of wait and see what, how it works for the other countries that are reopening theaters and see 
how they do it and how it affects their populace. Like, are the people even going to go to the movies in England or Europe or China? Or are they going to be, um, I guess, not afraid, but are they going to take COVID into account and not even go, even if it is open? So I think we should still take, we're still in a position where we should wait and see, I think. I, I'm, I'm a little conflicted, too, because I love going to the uh, theater. I love uh, watching a film with an audience. I love reacting alongside other people. And if, or if I've seen the film already, I like seeing other people's reactions. As, at the same time, you know, I want to, you know, uh, play it safe. And I want to play my part in helping uh, stop the spread of the virus and, you know, not, not go out as much. Well, for me, I don't really have much of a choice because I work and I have to go out a lot. But for the most part, I am trying to play my part in stopping the spread of the virus. And there is a chance that reopening theaters can cause uh, maybe not a drastically high, but still an increase in cases. Where I live, cases keep uh, rising and rising, uh, positive confirmed cases. And I just, I, I, I don't know if uh, now or this year at all is such a good idea for theaters to reopen, but at the same time, it wouldn't quite feel right to watch Tenet for the first time, or Dune, or Wonder Woman 1984 on like your laptop or phone. Yeah, I agree. Those kinds of movies definitely belong on a big screen. The only other thing that, something else that I would be concerned about is, if I went to the movie theaters, I would definitely follow the safety precautions. I would wear the mask the whole time. But can I trust that other people will? And I can't really, because I don't really know. They can say that they have these safety precautions, like you have to wear a mask the whole time unless you're eating, or you have to do this, we're going to clean all the time. That's fine, but are they going to actually have somebody in every single theater monitoring that? Because if they don't, then there's not, it's kind of just a trust system. Like, I trust that you come here with a mask. I see that you're wearing a mask, but then once you're in the theater, we don't really know. Like, that's kind of the thing that I would worry about is other people not following the rules. <laughs> that, that's definitely a very understandable concern and one that I have too, because where I work, we do highly encourage and recommend the uh, use of uh, customers wear masks, but we don't enforce it. So we do have customers that come in without a mask and we ask them to wear a mask or, or we offer to give them one. And then almost all the time they'll say no, uh, otherwise they would come in with a mask in the first place. And so that is a little frustrating that, you know, there are people out there, you know, still, uh, especially in the U.S., not taking this virus as seriously as they should. And I do agree with that concern that, you know, uh, Oh, like it, with the, uh, even if the theater uh, employees or whoever take the precautions, necessary precautions, will the audiences or customers, quote unquote, actually follow through? Yeah, exactly. Because I don't think they have the capacity with their staffing to even try to enforce it in the actual theaters themselves. Like... I don't think they're going to be paying someone to stand around and watch all of us in a dark theater and make sure we're keeping our masks on. And I, yeah. frankly, I don't blame them because I, I would be, it would kind of distract me from watching the movie. So it's kind of a catch 22. 
Yeah, and I w- and I would hate to have that job. I would hate to have the job of oh, making sure that everybody has their masks on. Yeah, you have no idea how people are going to respond if they're going to scream at you or if they're going to comply or what. So I would not envy that job at all. Where where I worked, uh, only this was only a few months ago, back in uh, April and May, we started limiting the number of customers that could come into the store. I work at a uh, I'm not going to mention the name, but I work at this uh, big retailer uh, store, and we started limiting the number of customers that came in uh, into the store. At first, we limited to 100, and then 150, and then 200 customers at a time, and especially, and we also started closing at an earlier time, and especially so when we were only allowed 100 customers into store at a time. And there had to be a line outside to wait. I got quite a few ang- customers angry at me, uh, specifically as if like I'm the one enforcing this, and as if I'm attacking them personally, which I'm not. Yeah, that sounds really frustrating. It was, yeah, it it, it definitely it definitely was. I don't I I really want to see a movie on the big screen again with other people. I just. I don't know if we're quite ready for that yet here, at least here in America. Yeah. And then another thing that I was thinking about is even trying to determine a reopening date, like they keep pushing it back and they keep saying like, okay, we're ready now, we're ready now. And maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But the other thing is I know a lot of people have said, oh, I'm not going to really go out and do anything other than you know, go get groceries or get food until there's a vaccine or something like that. I think that's a perfectly fine idea. But my concern after hearing that is what about people who don't even want to get vaccines? Like, there's a pretty strong movement, at least in the US, a loud minority, I guess, of people who are anti-vaccines. So they don't even, they wouldn't even get a vaccine even if it was available. So it's like, what do we do about those people? Do we do they get like special treatment? Do they ruin it for everybody or what? What do we do about that? You know, like if I go get a vaccine, I'm fine, but I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is, that is definitely, I I actually didn't even really think of that until you just mentioned it. Yeah. Like I just, uh, I almost forgot about the anti-vaccine movement, which I don't want to get, you know, this is, this is a, a much more topical episode of this podcast and what I usually make and I don't want to get too political but I just I I think (laughs) that I I don't uh, quite agree (laughs) with uh, the anti-vaccine movement and I I think that with uh, you know this is very unprecedented times and I think that in unprecedented times like this that we all have to make uh, sacrifices, uh, you know, do stuff mm-hmm. that we're not quite comfortable doing for the sake of everybody in the whole nation, state, at your at home, whatever. Like I yeah. live with my, I live with my grandma who's over 80 years old, and I'm trying to be as careful as I can for her sake. And it's annoying when I have to interact with customers who don't wear a mask or who uh, decide to walk up right next to me when they're asking me a question. And, yeah. and I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to uh, be safe for 
not just for my sake, but for my grandma's sake. Like, please back up, sir or ma'am or whoever. So yeah, I just I I don't know. I I yeah I I have a, they're definitely going to be a lot of uh well not a lot of or uh, quite a maybe quite a few people who if they develop a vaccine or a cure then you know there's there's going to be the anti-vaccine people there's going to be people who never even thought that COVID-19 was a real threat or real to begin with who are going to refuse it and say some kooky stuff like oh the government's trying to control us and deep state stuff and blah 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 and again i don't want to get too political but you are going to get those types of people and yeah i really hope i i this is probably an unrealistic thing for me to say but i really hope that there are some people who wisen up for the sake of helping everybody yeah i agree yeah because people in america are kind of selfish overall like yeah people are uh, very self-centered and uh and i don't know if you heard about this but in florida a uh sheriff actually forbade uh forbade like he said he was going to uh fire any deputy or staff of his that wears a mask really yeah wow no i had not heard that yeah there there, there are there are people just in uh in again <laughs> I keep saying I don't want to get political, but I keep having to get political because unfortunately COVID, it, it shouldn't be a left versus right issue. It, it should just be all of us working towards a common goal of getting better and getting rid of the virus. But unfortunately COVID has become political. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, so. Put it lightly. <laughs> yeah, but there are uh, officials and regular folk in uh, various states mostly more conservative states who are you know a very who are very opposed to you know quarantining masks and all that and i just i wish that people would think a little more selflessly and all of us all of us should be thinking more selflessly and working towards a common goal and i i'm not gonna be i mean i don't know if i'm being a real hypocrite but I am going out quite a bit working and, and, you know, one could argue that, oh, well, you're being a hypocrite because you're still going out for work. If you really meant what you said, then you would quit your job and just stay home 24-7. And <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, people, if someone were to say that to me, I wouldn't, you know, really, like, get offended by what they said or argue with them. But, you know, at the same time, like... I need, you know, like, I, I get on the opposite ends, the people who are like, oh, yeah, like, masks, like, 24-7 went outside, and only going outside for emergencies, but staying indoors all the time, and not even going to work, like, I get that mentality, but it, it, re I, it really sucks just being holed up. Like, like, I, like, uh, on days when I don't go to work, when I don't go out at all, it is, uh, if, I, if, I'm, if there's not in, an immediate movie or show to me, for me to watch, or even if there is, it is tough, you know, basically just being stuck at home with really nothing to do. Yeah, it is. And it's not necessarily, it's not really realistic either for people to say, like, everybody has to stay home. Like, okay, 
some people are obviously going to have to work. Somebody has to do work at the grocery store. Somebody has, to, we have to have doctors, we have to have nurses. Like many jobs can work from home and should if it's realistic, but it is just not realistic to expect every single person to stay home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, actually, and actually, I really need money right now. I have a whole yeah. bunch of bills and stuff that I got to pay. And I really, and uh, it, it would be nice if those bills and stuff could get delayed, but they aren't. So I still, you know, uh, I still uh, have to pay out, you know, student loans or whatever. So I have to work. And yep. which means me leaving the house because unfortunately I don't have, the degree or experience to uh, work at a uh, stay-at-home job. Right, and that's the case for many, many Americans. So, yeah, but uh, but but for those of for those of you you uh, listening right now who are about to turn away, don't worry, we're gonna go back to movies now. I, there, there are about there are a lot of people out there who are very who uh, are who don't want to hear anything about politics at all, and I usually try to refrain from politics in this podcast, but I, I wanted to make at least one episode that was topical. Sure. But, um, but, but going back to uh, movies now and how uh, COVID can change Hollywood and the film industry, uh, Marianne, do you think that Hollywood will change a lot after COVID or do you think that uh, like movie productions, a movie business, like how movies are made, etc. Will do you think it'll just go back to the way things are after the virus is over, or do you think that serious changes will be implemented? Uh, that's a really good question because there's so much to factor into it. On the one hand, there's the idea that most of the people who are really high up in the movie industry, like the really high-profile actors and directors and producers. They have enough money in theory anyway that if they did get sick or something that they would probably be pretty well off in terms of getting health coverage. Whereas maybe some of the extras and the people who are like assistant directors and all of the other crew might not be in that position. So the people who are making the decisions might not be in the same position as the people they're making the decisions for. So that's kind of a tricky situation for them. What I have heard, I don't know if this is still going to happen, but I've heard that what they're going to try to do for some cases is they're basically just going to make like a dome type thing, or like they're going to put people in like, um, I'm not sure what the word is, but basically like they're going to hire all the people to make a specific film and then everybody goes to the filming location and they're stuck there for the whole film shoot. They're stuck. Everybody stays in the same hotel. Everybody can only go to the same restaurants. They can't fly back home on the weekends like they might in other film shoots. Like literally everybody is going to be quarantined in that spot, in that location. And I'd be interested to see if that goes forward or not. Because if, if they're committed to doing that, I think that could probably work, actually. Because we've seen that staying home and not going out does seem to <laughs> bring the numbers down when the people actually do it. So it if you can apply that to filmmaking, I think it could work. So, but the, the next question would be then how long would they have to do that for? Like, right. is that just for one film? Because this, a film takes at least like two months just to film. And then there's the pre-production, post-production. So how long are they going to have to do that for? Is it all for 2021? Is it going to be for the next 
five years, we don't really know. So there's so much unknown right now, but those are some interesting things that I've read about. Yeah, and it and also depends on what type of story you're making. Like if you right. need, if you make a film where certain scenes will require big crowds, or uh, if you have to uh, make like film a fight scene where uh, people, actors, stunt uh, crew, whatever, have to get in close proximity of one another. Like how exactly is it all going to work? Uh, how exactly are they going to film that? Like how are they going to be safe? if they are going to try to be safe and film those types of scenes. Yeah, or even think about just regular scenes of, like, romantic scenes. Like, are they going to have actors kissing each other now or doing those kinds of scenes? Like, I guess that would be up to the actors maybe to decide if they feel comfortable with it. Right, right, yeah, no, for sure. And I, I that this situation is a very that we're in right now is a very uncertain one. So there are no, I don't think anyone has any certain answers as exactly, like I don't think even like the top medical experts or the top Hollywood executives or whoever know exactly what to do. It's kind of uncertain times for everybody. But again, yeah. like I said before, I just, I think that uh, playing it safe and uh, quarantining and wearing masks and all that is the right way to go and as for like hollywood and film productions that dome idea doesn't sound uh, like too bad of an idea i'd have to do a little bit more research on that because this is actually the first time that i'm hearing of that uh, but yeah so i'd have to do a little bit more research of that I'm, I'm hoping that they'll be able to figure out even if it's a temporary solution i'm hoping that they'll be able to figure out a solution and resume filming on some stuff that i'm actually really looking forward to seeing yeah and i hope they can find a solution too because like i said a lot of the actors that we know really well they're probably going to be fine if they don't film something for a year hopefully <laughs> yeah but there's so many other people that work on films that don't necessarily have you know million dollar contracts that this is their livelihood and they still need to have a job so we need to there needs to be some kind of solution to help them right no yeah exactly yeah there are hundreds or thousands of people involved in just one film production who are nowhere near as wealthy as these famous hollywood actors and you know i think that uh, Hollywood usually tends to ignore those types of people or, you know, like seriously, like uh, not give them enough credit or pay them enough. And I yeah. think that now is a time when I'm, I'm hoping that this, uh, that COVID will actually bring positive change in, uh, at least in Hollywood and uh, that these, you know, uh, lower class uh, people like uh, stunt doubles, extras, whatever, will yeah. be able to get more recognition and more pay and that more care will be directed towards their safety and their uh, financial uh, and, and physical and emotional health. Yeah, and hopefully uh, Hollywood will see how indispensable they are and how necessary they are. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but kind of off topic, I'm just wondering, have you seen the Imagine video? No. No, are you talking about the one that was organized by, was it Gal Gadot? Gal Gadot, Amy Adams, James Marsden, and all these celebrities okay. singing uh, the cover no. of Imagine. 
No, I didn't see it. I only heard about it. It's okay. So I think they had good intentions, but the execution was just so cringeworthy. Oh no. <laughs> just like just just I I think that maybe that they genuinely thought that they were going to help people or encourage people. But doing so just by singing a song is just really just man like like hollywood like hollywood like like uh it, this is kind of a cliche statement but like uh you know when people say like hollywood fame fortune whatever can really cloud your judgments it, it that is a true statement and i think that that is kind of the case for uh, many of the celebrities in the imagine video because many some of them probably genuinely thought that they were they could like help people but they're not helping people they're just singing yeah and another thing that i just thought of is with social media being so prevalent people know so much about celebrities now than they did maybe you know even 30 years ago by comparison that it's not like we don't know that they're rich. Like we're already reminded of that pretty often when we follow them on Instagram or Twitter. Like we already know that they're better off than we are. So it's, I could see how it would be like a slap in the face almost just to watch a video like that. Yeah, many, many people did actually take it as a slap in the face. Uh, all these celebrities got, you know, like hateful comments and insults thrown at them, which I do not condone that, but yeah, I understand why they are frustrated. Yeah, maybe they should have thought it out just a little bit more before they did it and <laughs> published it. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure which organization they donated to, but uh, what I really like, uh, Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively actually donated, I think, I'm not sure if it's a million dollars total between them or a million dollars each, but they donated a large sum of their wealth to some organization to uh, help people, you know, suffering, uh, who are suffer really suffering during COVID right now. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and I really like uh, a lot of uh, late night hosts are still making shows uh, despite not being able to actually go into, you know, actually record in a studio. They're still making shows uh, from home and they're asking for donations to City Harvest or uh, other places that where people who are really suffering right now because due to COVID or other reasons can hopefully be a little bit better off. I really like when celebrities, you know, act, actually um, when celebrities have both good intentions, but also actually prove their good intentions by actually making efforts towards helping others and not just singing Imagine by John Lennon. Right, it's the whole action speak louder than words mantra come to life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, but going back to like film productions real quick and uh, how it could be affected by how it's affected by COVID or post COVID, I, I, I wonder if going forward, writers will purposely write. Uh, will purposely avoid writing scenes with large crowds or romantic scenes or fight scenes or stuff like that. I wonder if writers will 
either on their own or uh, being told to by studios not to write those types of scenes. Do you think like something like that could happen? Yeah, I think it could, but I kind of hope it doesn't in a sense, just because it would be kind of boring as a audience member to watch those same kind of movies over and over again. But yeah. at the same time, as somebody who does write and does want to um, make films, I also do think that having limitations can make you more creative because it forces you to think of something different because you're aware of the limitations. So you want to stand out more. Like, you know, everybody's writing about quarantine. So how do I make a really good quarantine film compared to everybody else who's writing the same thing? So it, it can have both of its good and bad sides to it. Speaking of uh, quarantine, actually, I don't know if you heard, but recently uh, Shudder, which is a streaming service exclusively for horror movies, released a film called Host, mm -hmm. which was entirely made uh, through Zoom. Yes, I did hear about that. I need to check that one out. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen it yet because, well, I'm, I'm kind of I'm waiting to uh, subscribe to Shudder so I can watch all this bunch of stuff at, at once. Mm -hmm. and, and also, I'm not really into horror in general, but Host yeah. does seem like an interesting uh, concept. Well, the story isn't the most original, but the fact that these the people behind it got creative and made it entirely through Zoom is, you know, really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty cool. I know back in, I think it was May, there was some sort of theater organization based out of New York that got together some really um, high profile actors and had them do a few scenes from Oedipus. And then afterwards, they had everybody who was watching through Zoom, they had some, it was like a panel of people talking about how the play related to our current times. And it was very interesting because you had people like, I think they had Francis McDormand reading a scene and Jeffrey Wright was involved with it. So you have these really high profile actors doing a scene for, I, I, assume, I don't know if they got paid or not or if it was just voluntary, but, and it's a well-known play too. So it was really cool. I actually did um, watch it. It was very cool to see these actors do this scene from a pretty well-known play and then have a panel of like, there was a guy who works as a, paramedic, somebody who's like a surgeon, and so a bunch of people that are actually like on the front lines of COVID then basically talked about how the play related to what they're seeing, and it was just very cool. So I wonder if we could see maybe things like that happen more. That would be really cool. I, I really, I think that that was a really great idea, and uh, I, I really like Francis McDormand and Jeffrey Wright. And yeah, I think that seeing more stuff like uh, readings like that, online readings like that, and more movies like Hosts, which, in which the filmmakers could get really creative uh, with limitations or whatever, I think that I'm really looking forward to seeing hopefully more stuff like that. Yeah, and then I just thought of another, a movie from, I think it was 2018, the movie Searching with John Cho. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, so that's like told all through the um, webcam too. I don't think they filmed it that way, but the way that that film was edited and presented, that could have, it looks almost like it could have been made in quarantine. Well, well, A not really. There's because, some of the outdoor scenes, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like they're, they're it's not all through outdoors. Zoom, but. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but like with searching, there are some outdoor scenes with, you know, a lot of extras and, you know, the actors in close proximity and stuff, but, you know, yeah. but I, I get what you're saying. 
that could be one of the dome films. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it could be, yeah. I mean, it would be, I mean, I, I guess it would be okay if both of those actors or all, or all those extras in scenes that require it were all uh, tested negative. And, uh, but, but I think that even if actors, extras, whoever still test negative, they should still be careful, you know? Absolutely. Because you, so many people are asymptomatic, so you don't even know sometimes that you have it to get tested. Right, right. And um, I, I think that uh, the actor Brian Cox, I don't know if you know that who that is. He, uh, well, his most mm -hmm. uh, popular uh, recent work is the HBO show Succession. Uh-huh, right. Yeah, he actually was confirmed positive for COVID, but he, I think that he's asymptomatic because he said that even he was surprised that he was positive actually because he exhibited zero symptoms, no symptoms at all. He wow. felt perfectly okay despite his elderly, uh, his elderly age, but mm -hmm. he was still positive. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how it affects some people so strongly and others not at all. Like that um, Broadway actor, is his name Nick Cordero? I don't know if you've heard about that, that guy. I'm not sure who that is. I'm not okay. really into Broadway. Oh, okay. So there is an actor, is, I believe his name is Nick Cordero, and he was, I think he was only 41 years old, and he caught COVID in, I think, March, and it just absolutely, it was so tragic. He, like, he's 40 years old, not overweight or, you know, has any underlying health problems, and he went into a coma, he had to have an amputation, and it ended up taking his life. It's just, it's so tragic and crazy how it affects some people so much and then others, it's like they're totally fine. It's just so, science is so weird sometimes in that sense. That's, that's really awful. I hope that the Cordero family is doing okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, yeah. Again, like I said before, we, this is very uncertain times right now and, you know, not everybody's going to be affected the same way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I just think that Everybody just needs to be careful just going forward and be yes. hopefully smart about this, which unfortunately I can't say the same for everybody because there are some dumb people, dumb, careless, selfish yeah. people out there. <laughs> yes. I think that, you know, uh, ideas like host or that dome idea where people have to get really creative, I do hope to see more of that. I, I don't know if you saw that uh, movie that Dave Franco directed, The Rental, but that movie actually did... No, I didn't. Yeah, yeah well, I haven't seen it either, but apparently that movie... Well, that it wasn't directly that movie that caused it, but it was like that movie played a factor in an increase in drive-in theaters. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, I think at the moment, The Rental... At, at least in driving theaters, actually made like I think about five hundred thousand dollars, which pretty good for <laughs> yeah, which is pretty good for uh, drive-in showings, which is pretty yeah. yeah, which is pretty good for a very very limited release like that. Yeah, and and I'm also kidding. there and and that is more impressive considering that the movie is also available online to rent for like six seven dollars or whatever. Yeah, I was thinking about going to see that, actually, but the nearest drive-in to me is, like, 40 miles away. <laughs> same, same, yeah. The nearest, <laughs> nearest drive-in, well, actually, for me, it's, like, 50 miles or something like that. It's oh, really my gosh. Bad. 
Yeah, I've never been to a drive-in, so I'm kind of wanting to go now because there's a good reason to. <laughs> yeah, neither have, I, neither have I, but it's just too far away. I, I Actually, what's what's funny is that a while, uh, well, a while ago, uh, just back in December of uh, last year, I actually was invited to see an uh, early screening of 1917. Oh. And this this wasn't a drive-in theater, but it was like, but it wasn't a typical like theater either. Like it, it was, it was. I don't remember all all the details, but it was different in a way. Mm-hmm. Like like it wasn't a drive-in theater, but it still was an outdoor setting kind of. Was it like an amphitheater? I think so. I'm honestly not sure <laughs> okay. uh, off the top of my head, but basically, this was a theater close to Washington D.C. And I actually got the opportunity to go to see 1917 early, but then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, like this was on December 2nd or 3rd, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden, I don't, uh, but then all of a sudden, like things uh, at home got a little crazy, so I couldn't uh, oh. <laughs> go see it. I mean, I still got to see it uh, in January, which yeah. was like such a long time ago. I know, right? Yeah, like like I saw 1917. It, it feels surreal to me that I saw 1917 in 2020. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. And in January, I think. Yeah, and like January doesn't even feel like this year because of how crazy it's been. Yeah, it's like January and February are just the end of 2019 and then March was the beginning of 2020. <laughs> I feel that ex- I feel that exact same way. Like it, it doesn't feel like like it's it's so weird for me to think that oh yeah, for a brief time movie theaters were actually open in 2020. Yeah, I know. My birthday was in March, like right before everything shut down. So I was like, I got to squeeze everything in because I was hearing that they were going to shut things down. So I'm like, I got to get all my birthday stuff done now before because I, I don't know when it's gonna, when I'm going to be able to use these movie tickets again. Mm. <laughs> I'm now I'm really glad that I did that. That's that's good, yeah. That that that's that's good. That's real. That's really good. That well, hopefully, <laughs> I hope that you're able to see some good stuff in theaters or uh, whatever before stuff started closing down. Well, the last movie that I saw in theaters was right before my birthday, and it was Bloodshot. <laughs> oh, not exactly um, a good movie to go out on, but. It's... I, I had I seen almost seen. everything else by then, so I didn't really have many other movies to watch. Right, right. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen Bloodshot, but and I have no interest in watching it at all. But I haven't heard good things. Yeah, it wasn't the best movie. There were some interesting things about it. The concept was pretty cool, and that's why I watched it because I thought the concept was pretty interesting, and I wanted to see what they did with it. But too much of it was like derivative of other films. And not, like, in a creative way. It was like, okay, so that's exactly like that movie. Okay. <laughs> you tried. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I can imagine. <laughs> what, one of my friends actually, uh, well, one, one of my friends actually got to see Parasite in the theater right before everything shut down. And that was his first time watching it, actually. And he ended up loving it like almost everybody else. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, he, he got he, he got to see it in the theater, where, but there were only, like, including him, like, five people in the theater. Oh, so that must have been because of its post-Oscar um, win, huh? 
Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. The Oscars too, like the Golden Globes, Oscars, that all happens in 2020, right before stuff starts shutting down. Yeah, and those are getting delayed next year too. Right, and, and or might not even happen. Like who knows yeah, how really. much longer COVID's going to be around for. Yeah, either they're going to have to change the rules and allow, you know, all the Netflix films that don't have the theater releases or they're just going to have to cancel it or something. Well, the Academy did say that if a film, if a streaming film was, if there was mm -hmm. a plan by the studio to release it in theaters, but they release it on streaming or on demand anyway, then it's still eligible for Oscars. Right. So hopefully they stick to those movies, though, and don't try to, like, delay them for some reason. But I don't really see Netflix doing that. I haven't seen them do that with any of their films yet. Yeah. And, and actually, there were a bunch of films that were supposed to come out in theaters, like, the Lovebirds and The Trial mm -hmm. of Chicago 7 that um, yeah. sold directly to Netflix. Right. Yeah, like like Paramount actually mm -hmm. had the uh, rights, theatrical rights to both of those films, but then they were like, mm -hmm. just ship it to Netflix. Yeah. And and also that happens with uh, HBO Max too, um, that Seth Rogen film, An American Pickle. Sony sold it to, uh, Sony sold that film, HBO Max. They sold Greyhound starring Tom Hanks to uh, Apple TV Plus. Yes, that's right. I, I, have, I haven't seen uh, Greyhounds uh, yet, but uh, based on the trailer, I'm not sure of that film. I think, I think, yeah, I think that the films like The Lovebirds and American Pickle and Greyhound probably are better for streaming than in a theater. Yeah, I would agree. Even though I, I wouldn't have minded watching them in theaters, I probably would have with A-List if they were still in theaters. But yeah, I, I agree. Those aren't necessarily movies that you have to watch in a theater. Rom-coms especially, like, I feel bad because I enjoy them, so I don't want to, like, say that they're lesser genres or anything, but they're not necessarily films that need to be really big. Like, they're not about the spectacle, they're about the relationship and the story and the characters more than, you know, what you're seeing necessarily. Right. And, and, and sometimes I like, I actually like seeing smaller films in theater to support mm -hmm. the, uh, to support the filmmakers or yeah. the studio or whatever. Like exactly. I saw, um, I saw the, the indie films, uh, the peanut butter Falcon. Uh, yeah. I saw book smart in a theater, uh, Par yeah. Paras well, in comparison to bigger <laughs> films, Parasite is, a, uh, is a, well, I mean, Parasite is such a, big global phenomenon now but, yeah yeah but it, it but in comparison to like something like an avengers movie or whatever it is a smaller film. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly but uh that's, but, another, yeah. <laughs> that's funny you mentioned avengers though like thank goodness that that came out when it did right <laughs> oh my gosh can you imagine if avengers endgame got delayed like can you like oh you my gosh if Infinity War was the last film that got the <laughs> pandemic and then all these like kids and fans had to wait like over a year or possibly two years to see their here to see like what happens next after Thanos snapped. Maybe that's why nobody's taking this as seriously because they're like, oh well, it's not like I'm missing Endgame or anything. <laughs> right, right. And I mean Tenet is one thing, but Yeah, like oh that that would have been devastating though. Like, oh, like, man. like I like I I really like Marvel a lot. I don't love yeah. all their films, and even the films I love from them do have issues. But I love 
overall love Marvel a lot. And uh-huh. if Endgame got delayed, oh man, that would that would have hurt a little. Yeah, I yeah, I I agree, and I'm like you. I like Marvel, but I'm not like I have to see these all like day one and front and center necessarily. But yeah, I that would definitely not be cool if that had happened. <laughs> For me, it depends on the which film. Like like yeah. some Marvel films, I do have to see day one center and front. Yeah. But mm-hmm. other film like like many of the standalone films, I'm okay watching like uh-huh. a bit but like the big ones like the avengers films i yeah personally i have to see those like right away i'm really glad that that film wasn't delayed and uh that i'm, I'm glad there, there are certain films that where i'm glad that they got their properly releases like i think yes. as disappointing and as frustrating to many as rise of skywalker was <laughs> i think that the anger towards that film would have been so much greater if that got delayed yeah, that's true. Like, can like can you imagine <laughs> re- looking really looking forward to episode nine, which is supposed to wrap up not just the Disney Star Wars films, but the entire Skywalker saga? Uh, yeah, they said that with episode three too. <laughs> yeah, and then seeing it in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two, and being like, people fans were already disappointed after seeing it. But yeah, seeing it in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two after waiting since. The Last Jedi in 2017, I think yeah. that would have hurt a lot more. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, I waited two years for this. <laughs> uh, I think the anger definitely would have been greater if uh, if fans had to wait like five or six years. Yeah, yeah, it would. Well, maybe they would have had more time to fix it. <laughs> uh, I, I, don't, I, think, I don't think they would have, but they would. <laughs> I think that Disney would have released it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, like I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think that they would have, uh, I, I, Disney, for some reason, is just so proud of their Star Wars film, like, or at least they were, like, like, yeah. like, like, now Disney is starting to realize the mistakes that they've made, but in, upon initial releases, they were so proud of what they were doing with Star Wars. Well, I mean, the numbers, I would be proud of those numbers, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I just, I still can't get over, I mean, I sorry, we're going on a tangent here. I, I know this is not really related to the main topic on hand, but I just can't believe that Disney went and bought Star Wars for $4 billion and then decided to make a trilogy without a concrete plan on what to do. I agree. Unbelievable. Uh, well, at least... Uh, Oh, well, hopefully, at least Disney still has Marvel and Pixar, so. Yeah, I mean, they have so much money, too, and power that they could just, if they change their minds, which I don't necessarily see happening, but if somewhere down the line they change their minds, they could retcon it. They could be like, oh, you know, 7, 8, 9, those were just, you know, those were all just figments of Luke's imagination or something. They could make up some silly excuse and oh, those are alternate universe, or they could do, like, you know, the parallel universe theory or something. I don't see it happening anytime soon, but it's, it could happen in, like, 10, 15, 20 years, maybe. <laughs> uh, right now, I just hope that Disney does more stuff like Mandalorian. Yeah. Like more, like, prequel, like, more prequel or spinoff stuff. Yeah, I agree. But uh, you mentioned Tanette earlier. 
like that like that movie has had its uh, release date delayed like four times yeah and it's still only been delayed in terms of time though only right. like a month and a half so <laughs> that's kind right. of interesting <laughs> yeah uh, yeah like i i really i really hope that uh, i get to see tenet on the big screen soon but in a safe way and another film from warner brothers that i'm really looking forward to is dune with uh, Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too, even though I don't really know the story very well. I'm hoping that I can read the book before the movie comes out, and I want to watch the original, what was it, 1984, the David Lynch version? I'm just really looking forward to uh, Dune 2020 because of the stacked cast that they have, and oh yeah, <laughs> Denis Villeneuve, or however you pronounce his name, he's such mm -hmm. a great director. Yeah. Like, like Arrival, Blade Runner 2049, Prisoners, yeah. Sicario. Oh, all amazing <laughs> films. Yes. But uh, I, I, actually know, I actually know some people who really don't like Blade Runner 2049. And I, I get that, but personally, I loved it. Well, I saw it, and I liked it. I didn't love it, but I, I liked it. I thought it was a bit long. And I also, I've only seen it once, and it was when it came out, so I might be misremembering some things, but there wasn't really anything in it that I was, like, really entranced by. Like, I wasn't like, oh, wow, that was really amazing, I, I should watch that again. So that's the only thing that kept it from, like, being amazing to me. Like, I enjoyed it, but I wasn't, like, dying to see what else was going to happen either, so. And the other thing... I'm sorry to any of his fans out there, but I'm not really the biggest Ryan Gosling fan. <laughs> I, I get that. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan got honestly, Ryan Gosling, I'm about to offend Gosling fans too. Ryan Gosling <laughs> is, I think he's always a good actor, uh -huh. but I'm just, I'm not always a fan of his performance. Yeah, I think he's best actually in comedy. Like, I really like him when he does comedic roles, and really? I really like him. Yeah, actually, I like him, um... Like, when he was on SNL, Saturday Night Live, I thought that was really funny. Like, I really like seeing that side of him. Because most of the time, when I think of Ryan Gosling, I see him as, like, this really serious, like, straight-faced guy. My dad is really not a fan either, and he always thinks that Ryan Gosling has, like, one facial expression. <laughs> Which isn't really fair, because, I mean, we haven't, neither of us have seen all those movies, so we can't really base that off of just, like, the few films we've seen him in. Right. But, yeah, I actually really like his comedic roles. I like seeing him do comedy. Maybe you should watch The Nice Guys, then. I have seen that. It's, that's that's one, another one that I, I would say, for example, of being a good, a great performance by him and a great comedic role. God, like, Gosling is a very uh, subtle actor. and Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I, I feel like, I feel like, I don't know, I, I, I think Gosling's really good at subtle acting, but just there are some times where it just doesn't quite work for me. And in, in, in uh -huh. terms of me, like, emotionally uh, connecting myself to his character. And I, I actually think, I actually, now that I think about it, I kind of agree with you. Gosling, well, I don't know about straightforward comedies, but I think that Gosling should be more eccentric and, to an extent, flamboyant. Yeah, yeah, I can see what you're saying, yeah. And it, it's interesting because he does have a very classically handsome face. He has a classically handsome look, so it's kind of interesting to think about him in those kinds of roles because 
we have the stereotype of like really handsome guys should be playing like straight leading man roles. Mm. Whereas somebody who's not necessarily as good looking by conventional Hollywood standards has to be the character actor, the crazy guy or the flamboyant one, like you said. Right. Yeah. Gosling is like, I mean, sorry to people who love the notebook, <laughs> but Gosling, I'm not one of them. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Just notebook. Just, uh, but <laughs> It's not, it's not the worst film I've seen, but it's just kind of cringeworthy. But, I, um, sometimes I feel like I have to turn in my girl card because I say to other, like, girlfriends of mine that I don't love The Notebook, and they're, like, shocked because it's supposedly such this big movie among women, I guess. Yeah. But I'm like, no, I, I just, it wasn't for me. I, I, don't, I don't think that they should make a movie like The Notebook for uh, if ever like at least like not for a while not because not just because of the whole sappy nature of it but because if we're if hollywood's going to be safe then you can't have you know <laughs> exactly a romantic you know like romantic makeout scenes or anything yep no more romance in hollywood <laughs> it's <bad>. but <laughs> but i think that regardless of like whatever uh Hollywood does. I, I hope that they're able to. I, you said this already, but I hope that they're able to find some kind of solution to be able to uh, both combat uh, and uh, stop the spread of COVID nineteen, but also yeah. be able to make uh, make more projects and deliver us more, hopefully, really good content. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like like I think I I'm hope like I think that. Um, I think that, well, hopefully that film productions will start up soon because there are a whole bunch, because there are a bunch of studios, especially indie studios, that are actually in trouble. Yeah, very and true. And smaller movie theaters that are actually in trouble financially. Yeah, and so something that's interesting is in other countries like New Zealand and maybe Australia, I'm not positive, but I know they were filming that Lord of the Rings series in Austra uh, sorry, New Zealand, and they restarted doing that. So it's like they can probably get some things filmed, so they just might not be able to do it in America. Right, right. Yeah, I heard that Disney is also going to try to film, like, uh, like um, Fargo Season 4 and the Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, Marvel mm -hmm. uh, show for Disney+. Plus. Those are both right. uh, filming under, uh, you know, like, Fargo is FX, which Disney now owns, and obviously Falcon <laughs> and Winter Soldier is Disney+. Plus. They, those were yeah. filming, but then because of the pandemic, production on both of those had to be halted. So I think that, well, I think that uh, with Fargo, they're premiering, they're airing the episodes that they already filmed anyway. But I think right. like Falcon and Winter Soldier and like other stuff, I think I heard, I'm not sure if this is definite, but I heard a rumor that Disney is going to resume production on those overseas so that they can get those shows and movies out earlier. Yeah, I, I, that's kind of what they have to do. I mean, if the other countries will allow them in, then I guess why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if they'll allow them in, though. Yeah, I think they have to do some special, like, uh, visa quick, um, clearance type thing. Yeah, like, maybe. They'll yeah. let them in if they do that thing I mentioned where they all stay in the same location and don't go, they don't fly back to the states for a week or something 
Right. And, and uh, yeah, like self, like self quarantine, self, mm -hmm. uh, going into self quarantine, uh, being tested, uh, yeah. right when they, right when they land for a week or so. And then right before they go back to America, uh, yeah. quarantine back in America or something like that. I'm not sure yeah. exactly what they're going to do, but I'm just, I'm just, I mean, I've enjoyed some stuff that I've seen in 2020 so far, like Palm Springs and, Mm -hmm. uh, the Umbrella Academy season two, but I'm just really itching for hope more stuff right now. Yeah, me too. Speaking of um, Umbrella Academy, though, uh, Netflix, like Netflix is one of the few studio. Well, they're not really a studio, but like Netflix is one of the few media entertainment venues that's actually still doing pretty well right now because yeah. <laughs> Netflix has a whole like catalog like of stuff like they have all this stuff that they filmed back in like 2019 uh, yeah. early 2020 that they still plan on releasing later in the year or in 2021 uh -huh. I, I wouldn't be surprised if like Netflix or like other streaming services or whatever per are purposely holding off on releasing certain titles because uh of the uncertainty that the pandemic is causing yeah me too i think uh we're almost running like a little over an hour actually no we are running a little <laughs> over an hour and the past uh, few episodes have i've actually gone up to like an hour and a half or longer but for the okay. sake, yeah but for the sake of uh, me spending less time in editing. Uh, I'm thinking I'm going to end <laughs> things soon. No offense. Okay. No, not taken. But uh, but before uh, I end things, uh, do you have anything else to say about uh, the impact of COVID on the film industry or what the film industry could do or would or might may do going forward? No, oh, I'm just. It's kind of a wait and see situation still, and I, I said back in March when things were getting delayed to some of my friends, I was like, well, I, I'm sure we'll be fine by June. And then that didn't happen. And so I'm like, okay, maybe we should just cancel the summer then. And then that didn't really happen either. So it's like, okay, so I'm just going to expect the whole year is just not going to happen. <laughs> and now it almost seems like that's going to be a waste too. So I'll see you all in 2022, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that's kind of how I feel as well. Well, uh, that Marianne, thank you so much for uh, willing to appear on the podcast and talking about this stuff with me. Yeah, thank you. I had a great time. It was very fun. Yeah, yeah. So for all of those of you who are listening, uh, you can check out uh, Marianne Kaiser's short film, uh, Just a Few Questions. I put the link in the description down below. Also down below, I put a link to her Letterboxd account. So uh, please uh, follow her on there. And uh, actually, her your reviews on Letterboxd, I actually really enjoy reading them. Oh, thank you. That's yeah, funny because like, I... <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, whenever you write, like, a series review, like, usually I agree. <laughs> um, there, there have been, like, a few review, like, there have been a few reviews that you wrote of, like, uh, not-so-positive ones on Midsummer or Uncut Gems that I disagree uh. with. <laughs> but, but for the most part, I, I think that, uh, like, your letterbox uh, reviews are pretty solid. Thank you. Yeah, I try to keep a 
balance between serious and joke and sometimes I just can't think of either I can't think of something serious or funny so I just don't review it all but I, I really appreciate hearing that because I did not expect that <laughs> thank you yeah no no of course yeah no I, I definitely am the same way I alternate between not writing a review at all writing a serious review or writing a joke review and yeah so all of those of you who are listening, please follow her on Letterboxd. Please watch her short film and give it a like and uh, comment, share, subscribe, all that. And uh, yeah, thank you Do all. Do the same so for Colton. Follow him on Letterboxd and watch his short film. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, not sure if I'm going to include the link to my own <laughs> short film because it's embarrassing, but maybe I will. Here, do you want me to re-record that? <laughs> do you want me to say that again so you can cut that out? No, it's, no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I can say it and just say, just fo everybody go follow Colton on Letterboxd because he has great reviews also. That's, I will include the link to, the link to my own Letterboxd because that I, I'm actually proud of. But uh, but but thank thanks for the compliments, Marianne, and thank all of you for watching uh, another episode of my podcast, Podcast Racing. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, uh, I oh, and um, I hope that uh, we get to see you again on the podcast sometime soon, Marianne. Yeah, I'd be glad to come back. Thank you. All right, and uh, again, thank you all for listening, and see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>